Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. I hope everybody is doing amazing uh, today. Hope things are going well for you. Uh, we are excited about uh, today. Those of you who are uh, watching this recording, this is a recording, but uh, beginning next week, we're going to go live on Facebook. So our worship will begin right around, our, our worship begins at 1030, but you will come in uh, shortly after that. So probably around 1040 or 1045. Um, we'll see. Check in at 1030 and see what's going on. And uh, hopefully next week we'll kick this thing off and you could be a part of the live worship. There will be, um, at this point, the plan is no more recordings, just live worship. And then we'll post it after our worship, the recording of the live. And uh, if you want to tune into it after that, that will be great. We're glad you're here. And uh, we're, talking, uh, we're talking about lots of different things, uh, a lot of things going on here at Burlington Christian Church. Um, Wednesday nights uh, this week, again, is uh, no. It's July, uh, the 4th of July is this week, so we're taking that off. Um, and then camp is coming uh, next uh, Sunday, beginning, beginning today, junior week, next week. Uh, junior high, senior high, the week after that, short timers and buddy camps. So lots of camps going on. Uh, vacation Bible school. We had a great, a great time at VBS this year. Uh, we did the, the apartments. We did two days here, which was insane. It was awesome. Trish Napo did an amazing job. I want to thank her and Hope and then others who did uh, extra work building and putting things together. Paul and Casey, thank you for your hard work. And then all those who, um, you know, led the, uh, the groups and put up tents and helped decorate. Uh, lots going on. Lot, lots going on. Thank you so much. But uh, Trish, Trish, Trish was truly the brains behind the operation. And so, well done, Trish. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. Now, Paul says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. So good job, you guys. Thank you so much for your work. So we're talking about loving our neighbors, and we want to do that. We're going to love our neighborhood the best we can. And, and uh, I hope this catches on all over wherever it's seen, that uh, wherever you live, you will help your church be a part of loving their city. We want to love Burlington, uh, wherever you live. Love whatever city you live in, and, and we're going to love really well. We're talking all in, though. This is the, 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 the meat of our sermon. We're in 1 John. Uh, we're in chapter 2. We're digging into this concept of all in. Like, John is prodding us. He's, he's pushing us. He's like, with everything in him, everything, every tactic he can use, uh, love and compassion and and challenge and conviction and uh, all kinds of ways John is trying to get us to think and to wake up and to to realize that the only in is all in I mean being all in with the Lord is the only way to be and so we're gonna check out this passage uh, I know um, it's a it's a longer passage so it's first John chapter 2 18 to 29 you're gonna want your Bibles open your Bibles and uh, we're going to read uh, this scripture text of uh, these verses. It's a pretty long section. And then we'll, we'll kind of begin to dive, dive into this. Uh, 
It's going to be an, an, an interesting four weeks in this one section of Scripture. Um, but I want to read it because we need to let, let the Word of God just come on in and uh, begin to sink into our hearts, sink into our minds, sink into our life, sink into our soul. Because when the Word of God is in us, then the Word of God can work in us. But if we're not putting the Word of God in us, then it can't work because it's not there. The seed has to be in the ground in order for something to grow. So we're going to put the seed in today. So 1 John chapter 2, 18 to 29. Here we go. Check it out. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from among us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. <clears throat> Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. That's sweet. Eternal life. Verse 26, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing that you have received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. That, my friends, is a beautiful, beautiful piece of scripture. That is a, that is, that is John given to us a really, really hard, strong, intentional truth. A lot of truth right there. And he, he just cuts right to the chase. He's like, John is not, you know, messing around. He's older in his life. He's writing to these churches that are spread out all over Ephesus. And he's not messing around with them. He's not wasting words. He's just telling them the way that it is. And as we read through these letters, what we notice is John repeats himself 
over and over in the conversation about certain things because they're important to him. And John also, in these little letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he reflects a lot on his gospel, the gospel of John, which is a much longer book about the life of Jesus and all that Jesus taught. Here we have this powerful passage filled with big things. And John is going to point out a number of truths but four particular truths to his readers. And, and that's what I would like to point out to you this morning. But we're just going to take one of these at a time for the next four weeks. And so John says these four things. And you will see as we kind of pull these out of that text, if you keep your Bible open, you're going to see these four things come directly out of the text. And they are big things. This is is the last hour. That's the first thing John says. This is the last hour. That's big. The second thing he says that's big is many, many antichrists have come into the world. Many. The third thing he says is you have an anointing, an anointing from the Holy One. What? What does that even mean? And the fourth thing he says is continue in him. Four big truths in this passage of Scripture. Really, really big deals. As John packs these four punches into uh, our lives and into our hearts, our minds, our souls. And, and I don't know about you, but I want to know more about these things. I want to know more about what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? I want to know more about this. And so today, we're going we're gonna to dig into this first truth the last hour. John says, this is the last hour. And look what he says. Here's the passage. We just read it. I just pulled out the, the key passages or verses within the big piece. I pulled them out. And here are the ones that focus on what John is saying to us here about the last hour. Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. John wrote this 2,000 years ago. He's already saying to us, this is happening already. They went out from us. They really didn't belong to us. If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Their going showed that they didn't belong to us. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, when Jesus comes back, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. This is cool. This is so good. The last hour. The last hour. Notice John says, dear children. We've seen that before. Dear children. This is grandpa-ish John saying he's older and he's like, these are his grandkids. These are his great-grandkids. These are like his people. He loves them. Very tender. But he says, dear children, look, I love you. This is the last hour. Live as if Jesus could come back any day, any minute. This is the last hour. Heads up. Like, stay alert. Don't get sucked into the world. Remember the passage before. Don't love the world. It's going to pass away. Trust God. 
as we dig into these, these chunks, and, and we put a lot of focus on each one of them, we've got to try to remember they fit into the context of what we've been doing already. And so that's why it's so important when we hear this, we see this, it's in context of what John has been saying. It's a bigger picture that way. But don't get sucked up. Don't get sucked in. And what John adds is this, many antichrists have come, so be watchful. You're anointed, so uh, lean on God and uh, continue in him. In other words, hold on tight to Jesus through this entire process. All of these things are critical for these last days or this last hour. And here's the thing about God's truth. Here's the cool thing about God's truth. God's truth, all of them, are like building blocks for our life, for a, for a healthy biblical walk in Jesus. Like if we want to walk in Jesus and we want to think like Jesus and we want to respond to the world and to things and to crisis and what's going on in the world, if we want to respond like Jesus, then we need to keep putting all of these building blocks into our thinking and our life. And when those building blocks are there, we'll make decisions on based on the building blocks. Everything that John has said, all of these things, all of these truths are just another chunks of truth that help us develop our worldview. Like they help us develop our stance in the world as we stand on God. And when we study and when we learn and when we understand and when we apply these things, they become building blocks for our lives. Remember we said last week, we said last week that 6% of all people in America, adults, only 6% have a biblical worldview. That means 94% of people have no clue what they believe, at least the ones that were surveyed. 6% have a biblical worldview. If we're going to stand on the truth of God's word, we have to have a biblical worldview so that we see everything in the world that's going on and all that we're a part of and all that we engage in, we see it through the eyes of the word of God and through the truths of God. We sing, we sing the song, we sang it last week, I will build my life upon your word. We sing that song, so we should do that as well. We're going to build our life block by block into our soul, spirit, and mind, mentality, attitude, all of it. We're going to build the Word of God into us. See, John knows that without the ingredients of God in our life and His truth living in us, we will be led astray and we will be destroyed. The enemy through the world is trying desperately to water down and to wash away and to steal the Word of God that has been sown in us. He's trying to remove it. He's trying to pull it out. He's like, he's like going around pulling out all the good stuff that God is planting in your life. He's trying to get rid of it so that you stumble and fall. The truth is we are at the last hour and have been so for a long, long time. Really, since the coming of Jesus, we have been in what is called the end times. We are in the last hour the, when the Messiah came and lived and died on the cross and went back, ascended back into heaven. We have been in the last days ever since then. It's the last hour. The last hour. It's the last time. We're in the end. And, and there's some different ideas of what this means. The last hour. 
And you may think uh, in your own heart and mind about what that means, what it means, the last hour. What does that mean, last hour, the last hour? We're in the last hour. What does that mean? Well, here's some possibilities. Number one, the duration or the end of uh, Israel or the Jewish nation, period, as a state or as a nation. Like, like we're at the end of that and now we're at the last hour. We're at the end of it. Like Israel no longer God's set-apart nation. Like a distinct, there's a distinction now between uh, the two eras, like uh, the, the Jewish nation era and now the church era. All of it is uh, Messiah-centered, like pre-Messiah, Jesus comes. Now we're in the post-Messiah. Uh, post so it's the end of the first period. That began with Abraham, uh, the covenant with Abraham all the way up to Jesus. And then it goes from Jesus until his second coming, the second coming of Christ. Two very clear periods. And, and now, in this period, the door has been flung open at the early church. The door has been flung open. All men are welcome to come in. In Acts chapter 10, we see Peter in the house of Cornelius. And God's spirit is poured out on the Gentiles. On the ones who have been out from all this period of time, this whole, uh, since creation. They've been out. Peter uh, began to speak in John or Acts 10, and he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and the one who does what is right. So God accepts any man, all men, all people. And in Romans 11, we see the idea of the there were branches that were on the tree of Christ that were, were rejected Jesus, they have been cut off, and other branches have been grafted on. And so that's the inclusion of other people. So the duration or the end of the Jewish nation. Secondly, uh, possible of the last hour is that it's the last dispensation of grace, the last dispersal of grace. Like God's final move is he sends the Savior of the world, right, and Jesus now is our, uh, our, our only grace. He's our only saving grace. It's only in Jesus. This is the last big move of God. Like all through time, God has stepped in and done big things, right? Creation, the flood, Abraham, Moses, the prophets, the Messiah, uh, Jesus comes, and now the church age. And so all these are big steps. But now the next big move is going to be the coming of Jesus a second time. And so this is the last thing God's going to do, big thing anyway, before that happens. Uh, Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So it's like, here it is. It's, uh, it's available to everyone. This, this grace of God that has come. And in Hebrews 9, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So we see these two bookends. He came the first time, he's coming a second time, we are living in this last period. And now the final, uh, final uh, thought on last hour is that it is the final stretch. Like we are rounding the final bend. We're on the final stretch of time and, and of the age. We're on that home stretch. Mankind as we know it is coming to a conclusion. The Spirit of God has been poured out in the book of Acts. And the, and the Holy Spirit now is going to get us to the end. 
He's going to carry us to the end of time to when Jesus returns. God's final act. Final scene. And the devil is able in this period of time to have a final push, which he is doing. Final push to deceive and to destroy and to divide and to steal away from God. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is quoting from the prophet Joel and he says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And we know on the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, that's what exactly what happens. The Holy Spirit is poured out and people come to know Christ. And the Holy Spirit now is here to live within us, to carry us the rest of the way. Ephesians 1 says, when you believed, you were marked in him with this. When you gave your life to Christ, when you came to know Jesus, he marked you with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a deposit, a deposit, like in a bank, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And so the Holy Spirit is that God's saying, here's your, there's the Holy Spirit. He's coming to live in you. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to come and get you. And so we're in these last hours. There is a lot, as you know, and you probably are as well, a lot of curiosity about the end of time, how it's going to happen, what's going to go on, all of these things that are going to unfold like this, right? Many, many books have been written, thousands of books have been written about the end time and how it's going to unfold and all these things. Like we, we, uh, the official term for this end time uh, discovery is called eschatology, the eschatology. It's the study of the end times. It's the uh, final events of human history. And, and biblically what it involves is like the return of Jesus, the idea of the rapture, the apocalypse, the resurrection and judgment, you know, these are big things, they're huge things that, that are going to happen somewhere at the end of time, at the very end. But the truth of the matter is this, we got a lot of scriptures that tell us about the second coming and tell us, uh, you know, uh, what, what to look forward to. We're going to dig into those here in a minute or look at those, touch on them really, but I'm going to introduce a bunch of them. So get ready to write them down. But, but when it comes to specifics about how how it will exactly unfold or when it's going to unfold, we really don't have a lot of information. There's not a lot of Bible information about the how and the when. There's enough pieces to understand kind of what's going to happen, but not enough to come to too many conclusions. Like, we can make conclusions about certain parts of it, but not all of it. And so we've got to be uh, really smart in that. Here's what this limited information does for us. Knowing that there's a limited, uh, the, knowing that there's like, like six or seven different like ideas out there of what people think is going to happen with the rapture, with the thousand year reign, with the antichrist and the, 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 you know, all these things that are, you know, there's so many different views on this. It just, it tells us that we don't have enough information. But here's what the limited information should do for us. Number one, it should force us and push us to trust God in the things that we don't know. Because he's given us enough to know. We can hold on to that. And in the things we don't know, we're just going to trust God. Okay? If he told us everything, there'd be no need to trust God. We'd have it all. But he, he doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to live each day 
trusting in him, trusting him for the next step. And he gives us pieces along the way. Secondly, know what it is that is there so that we can be watchful. We, we need like this limited information. We should know what the limited information is, know that, and then just be watchful in the things that we do know. And the third thing simply is this, with this limited information is, is that we be cautious, that we be very cautious of those people out there who think they know more than the Bible tells us. There are plenty of people who have filled in all the, it's kind of like evolution, right? The theory of evolution. They got, they got a, 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 a bone from a kneecap. They got a, a bone from a, some kind of claw or finger. And somehow they're able to, to make this full renditional picture of this mammoth critter. Or, you know, uh, ape, half ape, half man monkey. From very limited pieces of evidence. That's kind of what happens here. People love to, uh, in their curiosity and, and the mystery of the second coming, they, they love to just like make it up, basically. Kind of like this. Check this out. So, the last hour, hocus pocus, I call this. Does anybody know what 815-1962 is? You should know. Some of you should know. That's my birthday. August 15th, 1962. By the way, it's coming up. Send your gift. No. Uh, so here, here's what, here's what, here's what, here's what people like to do. Like, we're going to start with the year because the year is most critical. 1962. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to note the nine. We're going to turn the nine upside down. So now the nine is a six. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to add, we're going to add the one and the five together. Because, because that's what you're supposed to do. And one plus five equals six, so now we have another six. Now we're gonna grab the three, uh, the third, I mean the third thing we're gonna do is we're just gonna grab the other six. There's the six right there, okay? So we got, we've got this one turned over, it's a six. We got a six there, and we got five plus one is six, and so what we have here is six, six, six. So basically, I'm the Antichrist. I'm the Antichrist, and you're probably wondering, what about the eight? Well, the eight goes away because we ate it. And so, 666, Mark of the Beast, my birthday, it's, it's, it's hocus pocus. It's ridiculous, and it's uh, really, really, really silly for us to to do these kinds of things. But, but you know what? People have nothing to do with their time, and so they take numbers, they take passages, they take things that have nothing to do with anything, and they like to wow people with their cleverness. Don't fall for that junk. Don't do it. People like to make up stuff about how the end is going to happen so that you buy their book or so that you think they're cool. I don't know. Don't do it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 7, that we are not lacking, we are not lacking any gift. Like God has given us everything that we need as we eagerly await the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God has given us more than we need to follow him. 
So don't follow clever, uh, cleverly devised plans of men. When it comes to the last day, there's two things that are very clear, okay? I'm going to give you the two things that are really clear. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to make <clears throat> two columns. You're going to want to make two columns, like a cross. And in the left column, you're going to want to write the words, he will come. Okay, he's coming back a second time. He will come back, okay? So the first column is this, the left side is this. We know that Jesus will come a second time. And I'm going to give you a bunch of passages of scripture for this. Okay, you can write them down, you can look them up later. I'm going to touch on them right now. Notice, he's going to come a second time. He is not coming a third time. This is really important because some of the theories out there say have Jesus having to come a third time. Or, or what they do is they say, well, he's coming on the clouds, so he doesn't really come all the way here, so it doesn't count as a second coming. He just comes part way, takes a bunch of people, and they leave. And then he's going to come the second time. I, I hate to break the news, but there is absolutely no scriptural support for Jesus coming a third time. None. There is none. How about... How about this? How about we go by what is there? How about we go by what is in the scripture and not by the people who like to make things up just because they sound cool? So first, Jesus said, left column, Jesus said to the disciples at the ascension in Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to give you all these scriptures, okay? I'm going to get touch on all these scriptures. Are you ready? We're going to fly through this. Here we go. In Acts 1, it wasn't for them to know the times and the dates of his return. So you're going to want to write these passages. And you're also going to write maybe a note or two as, as we move. I'm going to fly through this, but you're going to have to go back. But you're going to see all of these apply to Jesus' second coming. It wasn't for them to know. He, they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came. They would be his witnesses. And then he ascended. He's taken up before their eyes. And the angels are there. And John is there. The one writing this was actually there at the time. So he knows this happened. He saw it with his own eyes. We can trust an eyewitness like that. And then the angel said, the same Jesus that was taken up before you into heaven, he's going to come back in the same way that you've seen him go. The way you see him go, that's how he's coming back. That's pretty good. And John wrote in his gospel in John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to be with myself. Where I am, there you will also be. So there's that. There's that promise of Jesus about the second coming. Then 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says, some things. He says the Lord will come down. There'll be a loud command. There's going to be the voice of the archangel. There's going to be the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Those who are alive will be caught up together in the clouds to meet them in the, in the Lord, with them in the Lord in the air. Revelation 16 and Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, yeah, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He's coming like a thief, not, not like, not like quiet and unnoticed. And, and the reason we know it's not going to, he's not talking about he's coming like a thief, quiet and unnoticed and people are gone and, oh, where'd they all go? Jesus came, nobody knew it. Because we just read the passage where there's going to be this loud command and the voice of the archangel. And so that doesn't match up right. So he's not talking about that. He's, he's talking about like a thief would come unexpectedly. 
quickly, like swiftly, and you, you didn't even, you weren't ready for it because he caught you off guard. Matthew 24, about the day of the hour, no one knows, not the angels, not in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father knows. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. This is the, the thief in the night idea as well. Get this. So it will be with the Son of Man. For in the days of, of the, before the flood, people eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Thief in the night. Days of Noah. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Boy, the Bible's very clear. James 5 said, Be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of his soil. Be patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. And so that farmer is just patiently waiting for the crops to grow. If you have flowers, if you grow tomatoes, you know what that's like. Revelations 1.7 says this, He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. There goes the thief in the night like nobody knew this. Okay, that, that's, that doesn't fit. Every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will, will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate them from one another as a sheep separates the sheep from the goats. Judgment. Matthew 16, he adds this. And he will repay every man according to his deeds. See, the last days are leading us to the coming of Jesus the second time. That's what the last days are leading toward. We are moving quickly to that moment. Revelations 22.12 says, Behold, behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Revelations 22. Oh, there's a lot more. There's more scriptures that kind of help us understand that Jesus is coming. Exactly how it's all going to happen. We don't have all of it, but we've got a lot of it. That's for certain. His coming is as certain. His second coming is as certain as his first coming. And we know he came the first time. Nobody denies that. He's coming again. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 64, you will see the son, you will see the son of, of man sitting at the right hand of the power of the, uh, and coming on the clouds of heaven. You will see him coming. Just like he was taken from you, you will see him come back. The last days will end. The last days will end with the coming of Jesus in the clouds. And time will be no more. But John, John, he says, dear children, this is the last hour. And so he's referring just as much to the coming of Jesus as he is to that period of time leading up to that coming. Right before the return, the last minutes, the last days, like the last little bit of time. So number two, column number two, here, here are a bunch of passages for you. And here's what we know about the last days. And again, these are just, you know, a bunch of things. These are not all of them. 
But these are some of the most critical ones. Matthew 24, it says many will come. In the last days, many are going to come in my name claiming they are the Messiah. Get ready for that. It's kind of been happening, but it's, it's going to happen. I'm God. I am the way to heaven. We've, we've got all kinds of religions out there claiming they are the way to heaven. Do not believe the crap. Don't believe it. They will deceive many. Matthew 24. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. kingdom. Famines, earthquakes, various places. All of these signs are the beginning of the birth pains. We have seen all of this happening. All of this has been happening for a while. And it is even more intensifying in our day. Verse 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. If anyone says, behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe them. Probably because when Jesus comes, you're going to know it, I'm going to know it, we are all going to know it. He's not going to be some, some dude over there while in the crowd. Don't believe it. 2 Thessalonians 2 says this, There will be great rebellion. The man of lawlessness, there is an antichrist person, and the man of lawlessness will be revealed. A man that is doomed to destruction. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. He will set himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. This man of lawlessness who is doomed to destruction will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. 2 Thessalonians, look it up. 2 Timothy 3 says, There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. 1 Timothy 4, Paul says, says in the last days, many, many will abandon the faith. Many will abandon the faith. They will walk away from it in the last days. Luke said in 21-25, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, dismay among the nations, uh, perplexity uh, at, at the roaring of the seas and the waves. Matthew 24-33 says, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, it is right at the door. <laughs> right at the door. And Paul said in that's 2 Thessalonians, the last one here, 2 Thessalonians, he said that, so then brothers and sisters, stand firm, hold to the teachings that we have passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. That's what Paul says, because Paul is, Paul is also talking to the people of his day as he's giving them letters that, that they're going to use and pass on and share with other people. Just like John has been teaching the people of his generation, but he's also now writing these letters that are going to be passed on for generations to come. And here, we have them. We have them. We have all these scriptures. We have them. John adds to this, watch out for the Antichrists. Stay in the light of Christ. You are anointed. Continue in Jesus. Those other big truths that we're going to get to. Oh, there are more scriptures concerning the last days. These are just, just a handful. 
The last thing John wrote in his gospel was this. Jesus did many other things as well than what was written. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. So, so much more that Jesus said to these people, these guys, these apostles. So much more he did that, that didn't make it into our scriptures. God has given us what we need. All that we need. And Isaiah says this, Isaiah the prophet said this, Isaiah said, I make known the end from the beginning, this is God speaking, from the ancient of times what is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. That's what God says. I will do it exactly as I please and I have told you how I'm going to do it, at least enough that you can be watchful, you can be ready, and you don't have to be deceived. Dear children, this is the last hour. When the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes back, will he find faith on the earth? More importantly, will he find you and me all in, living in the faith? Will he? Guys, thanks for uh, tuning in with us. If you're live streaming, thank you guys for being with us. We hope to see you next week uh, when, we, uh, when we go really live. But um, God is good, and, and we are gonna, we're going to just trust him and walk with him and hold on to him. Because we know, we know for sure, we know without any doubt that Jesus is going to come a second time. And we know without a doubt we are living in these last days. We are living in the last hour, just as John has said. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.